Well, good morning, Citygate Church and all of our online guests today. And it's already halfway through the service and I've just loved the praise and worship. And, you know, it's just so good to come together. I can't wait till we're physically together again. We will meet again. <laughs> and I do know where. It'll be here in Citygate and hopefully not too long. But, but until then, you know, I just want to inspire you. I want to encourage you to really engage, engage in into God's word, engage into the Holy Spirit, engage into your relationship with God. And so today we've got a very, very special program. And um, it's something that has really been heavy on my heart um, over the last 10 days. And, uh, you know, I'm extremely thankful for the opportunity uh, to introduce my good friend today, Pastor Dennis Wade, uh, from all the way up the road, not too <laughs> far. And um, I'm thrilled to have Dennis here today. And we go back quite a long way now, a That's number right. of years. Yeah. And you've got a great church and a great family. Love your family, love your life. And, you know, you're always an inspiration to me. And ever since these events of last week, which we will get onto, obviously, I've had it on my heart to really, uh, I'm getting all emotional already, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, to have, <clears throat> to have a heart-to-heart -heart with somebody about, about the division in the body of Christ and in the world that we're facing today. So I want to get past this because we want to have a good, a good conversation now. But um, how's it been, you know, trying to pastor in a pandemic? Let's start there. Right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, Julian, it's great to, <laughs> great to be here with you. And yeah. thanks for inviting me. Um, we've been friends for many years, as you know. And uh, we spend uh, a good coffee morning every so often having we a do. chat about ministry and life. We do. Uh, which has really been helpful. We've been encouraging each other. And I've seen you uh, and do see you as a bit of a peer mentor. Um, and that's really been helpful, being in relationship with you and Sharon and the yeah, church here yeah, as well. Yeah. You've been here for many years, working away in the community, and you've got a great multicultural church here yeah. um, with a lot of diversity. And mm. I think it's really um, an honorable thing that you want to address this today. Well, for me, um, ministry in a pandemic has been <laughs> really a bit of a challenge, trying to reinvent the way you do church. <laughs> rethink yeah. everything, get so many things online, yeah. keep everybody connected. You know, it's been quite yeah, challenging, yeah. but we persevere and we push through and thank God <laughs> we're making progress. It's craziness. Yeah. It's absolute craziness. Trying to keep a church together and yet we can't meet. You know, we've got online uh, times of prayer, which we got tonight, actually. Um, you know, just, just so many things. Small groups, which are all about having fellowship. You can't have fellowship over a Zoom call. You can have a bit of a, you know, but you can't hug. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hug you now. If yeah. I, I just want to hug everybody I meet at the yeah. moment. But, um, you know, we're socially distancing here. It's about two meters. So we're doing the right <laughs> thing. Um, yeah. So um, I want to have this conversation today. And this is not scripted at all, guys. This is this is us just heart to heart, really. Um, I think something's really shifted. Something happened. I, I know something happened in me. Last Monday, I heard on the Tuesday at the at the death, and then we saw that it was a murder of George Floyd. Yeah, and um, and you know, straight away, I just thought this this has got to stop. This this just has to stop. This is inhumane to the very core, and um, and I wanted to talk about that and and all the things that that has stirred up. Obviously, we're seeing now all across the states, um, huge reaction. You know, the, the place is on fire. I know, I think I heard 73 cities are on fire. Yeah. And not completely on fire, but they've been burned. There's riots, there's, 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 um, there's protests that haven't turned ugly. 
um, and there's police who are identifying with the protesters. We're seeing every expression right now from those. I've seen, you know, whole crowds of people on their knees praying to God. Mm. And I've seen other places where there are, you know, things being thrown. Um, it's just stirred up such an incredible response. And it will be very easy for us to turn around and say, that's an American problem. Yeah. That's an African-American problem. Um, but it's not an American problem. This affects all of us. Absolutely. And so I want to ask you about your own experience. What has this stirred in you in the last week? And what's, wow. your, own, what's your own background, bit of your experience? How's these things have well, perhaps yeah. affected you? Well, it's been, it's been quite surreal uh, looking at the images. I mean, it's been very, very painful watching mm. that video. Mm. Mm. Um, I normally switch away from videos like that because I, just, I don't like violence. I don't like seeing people hurt or injured. Yeah. Um, but uh, when I heard how big this was, I thought, I better look at this. I better digest it. Yeah. Um, and each day, it's just been growing on me. I feel more and more yeah. numb. Yeah. Um, I didn't think I'd get as emotional as I have. Um, but I think this whole situation has hooked into a lot of people's stuff. Obviously, as, as a black man, a young black man, uh, I was born in early 60s here in the UK. So I've got a lot of experience of what it's, what it's like to live as a black person in the UK. And obviously, I've got a lot of friends in America. I've traveled the States quite extensively, visited yep. lots of states, lots of churches, lots of friends around the world. Um, really, it's been, it's been a real challenge just trying to grasp where we're at and process it all. And, and I can clearly see that it's not just black people that are up in, in, in arms or yep. demonstrating, as it were, figurative, figuratively speaking. Um, but obviously, lots of white people as well. Yep. Um, lots of people identify with this issue of injustice. Um, for black people, um, they've been, we've been going on about this for, for years. I mean, growing up in school here as one of the first sort of aliens in this country, um, and then um, experiencing racism through work and uh, in the neighborhood. Um, you know, these are experiences that we, we have and that we, we often try to dull it down and we don't want to talk about it. We so, certainly don't want to embarrass our white friends by speaking about it. We understand a lot of people don't understand what we're, ex what we're feeling or what we're trying to express. Um, we don't just want to be nagging people about the same old problem. But whenever something like this happens, yeah. it kind of like opens up the wound again. It's a trigger. It's a trigger and it, point. It's definitely a trigger. And people begin to, you know, they're re-traumatized of all the personal experiences that they've had yeah. of injustice, of bias, of, you know, racism. Um, all, all throughout their lives. And yeah. I think that's, that's really what's happening here. I've been speaking all week to people, um, asking them their thoughts, their experiences. I've been on Zoom call after Zoom call. We've had discussions, we've had all sorts of things. And, um, and I'm hearing the same thing, really different experiences, but I'm hearing the same thing. What happens is people, they, they just learn to live with it. They just learn to cope with it. Yeah. Um, especially as Christians, you yeah. know, you just keep forgiving. You just keep forgiving. You just keep bringing it to the cross. You take it to the, you know, to the throne and you obtain your grace. You get your grace to help and you go again. And then when something like this happens, it's not that it hasn't been dealt with. Mm. It's the fact that, you know, people say, you know, well, somebody died last year and they didn't get a riot. Yeah, but the riots are not about just about the George Floyd murder. Yeah. They're about the 400 years. Yeah. They're about the last 50 years. They're yeah. about the last 100 years. They're about the life that they've experienced and the whether it's you know, systemic or whether it's individual or whether it's personal. Um, it's, it's these things that come to the fore. Is that what you're experiencing? Absolutely, and people feel trapped. They feel trapped in this system of racism that stops them from progressing in their jobs, that stops them from you know, earning the sort of income that they want to earn, that uh, hinders them in their education, that maybe stop them from having the sort of education that they perhaps should have had. 
Um, it's this feeling of being, you know, this feeling of injustice, systemic injustice yeah. that is constant and persistent. Um, that's, the, that's the challenge that people are feeling. And um, people like me, you look at it and you wonder, well, when is this going to stop? When is the system, when are the authorities going to say enough is enough? You know, I think we may have had a different reaction if, you know, very soon after that happened, a lot sooner, the, the, the police officer that was responsible was, a, was arrested or charged. The other police officers who stood yep. by... Which still haven't. Which still haven't been arrested. And people think, well... How can this be? What, what kind of in level of injustice could this be? Why would it take so long? Because if the shoe was on the other foot, there would have been arrests before mm. now. And people are saying, this is the proof of the injustice. And mm. the system should do something to prove otherwise, but it, it yeah. seems incapable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm speaking today, I'm not speaking on behalf of white people, just as you're not speaking on behalf of all the black people. We are yeah. having a conversation here. Yeah. Um, I have not experienced any, any um, discrimination of my race um, in my own country. Um, yes, I have in other countries. I've been somewhere and I've obviously been treated differently and stuff, but I'm on holiday or I'm actually you don't really get it on holiday in, in holiday environments because of the holiday industry. But yeah. I've been out there, you know, I've been all over the place and I've experienced, you know, um, you know, feeling like I'm different, feeling like I, actually I don't fit here. But because I'm coming to preach the gospel, or because I'm coming to do something, then I've got a context for it. But I can't imagine um, and that's been part of my journey, really, over the over 25 years of leading, actually 30 years, 30 years in six months' time of leading churches. Um, obviously, through that, there's been a journey. I think it's been more acute, prob you know, probably in the last few years, and then, you know, hugely in the last 10 days. Um, I've not experienced that, but w I believe it's 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 absolutely vital that the only way to change and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we've got a lot to talk about today, but um, the only way to change has to be education, has to be understanding, has to be, um, even though I've not experienced it, I feel what you're going through. And um, I can't just put my head in the sand. You know, something I got really annoyed at this week, and I don't want to upset anybody if this is, you know, I'll just, I'll just say it as I tend to. Um, you know, I put out something about Black Lives Matter, and somebody came straight back and said, all lives matter. Yeah. Somebody that I don't know, somebody from Australia, they posted it. And I came straight back and I said, you know, that has to be the most unhelpful comment <clears throat> to make now. Um, it's a bit like, and I said this to my family earlier in the week, I said, if, you know, if I was to say to somebody, you know, my son's got cancer. Now he hasn't and we, you know, et cetera. But if I was to say my son's got cancer and you came back to me and said, yeah, but other people's sons have got cancer. <laughs> That would just be the most insensitive, hurtful, um, uncompassionate, unempathetic thing that anybody could say because it's not identifying with what I'm going through. Absolutely. And, and um, I think that's what sort of hit me in the last week. It's very easy for me to put my head in the sand. It's very easy to say, that's an American problem. It's very easy to say, yeah, that's a black problem. They've all got chips on their shoulders. They've just got to get over it. They're all playing the victim. And yet I've not had to go through what they go through. And, and yet to, you know, to keep coming out the other side of it, on top, in victory, and to keep the unforgiveness out of their heart. How do you do it? It's a hard job, Julian. It's a really hard job. But the thing is, I think um, 
I can't speak for all black people, but generally what I sense and what I feel and what I've experienced is that we are used to the forgiveness thing. Mm. We're used to it. We're born in a system. We're born in a structure. Um, very early on, our parents tell us the stories of racism and the things that they encountered when they came over here, yeah. Windrush generation. Um, we grew up in that, you know, my family, there were seven, seven kids and my parents, I remember us living, seven of us living in two rooms <laughs> as kids. Yeah, yeah. A lot of white families or yeah. some white families yeah. may have experienced the same thing, yeah, yeah. but it was a struggle. My mum doing yeah. two or three jobs and my yeah. dad doing two jobs. Yeah, yeah to make ends meet. Um, going to school and being told, you know, you're gonna have to study much harder than the white kids. You're gonna have to make yeah. sure your grades are that much better if you wanna keep up yeah. and, and compete evenly. Yeah. So, you know, you're being told that constantly all the time, not only by the system, but by your own family, because yeah. it is a truth. Uh, so, okay, so let's explore that. Somebody said to me just the other day, and it was a real pain to them. And they said, um, you know, she said her son was called in I don't know if it was to the teacher or to the head teacher or something. And their son is a high achiever. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just turning 12, I think, something like that. And, you know, and the head teacher or the teacher, whoever it was, said, you know, you're a high achiever. Yeah. But you're just going to have to bear in mind, because you're black, yeah. you're going to have to work extra hard to achieve the same, you know, in life. And this parent was going, I can't believe that has had to be said to my son who doesn't see this as a problem. Mm. You know, we're trying to just, you know, just have a normal family here. We're trying to raise our kids. We're trying, and now, you know, there's these comments being made and it opened up a bit of a conversation. How do you, um, you know, decide what's, what's good preparation for a child? You said your family are saying, you know what, you know, because you're black, some people would say that just, you know, puts a victim mentality mm. on you. Um, and yet, of course, we all want to prepare our kids for life. We all want to prepare our kids for what they're going to meet. We don't want to put them in a cotton wool box. And some of that is having these conversations, a bit like we're having now, but around your own kitchen table with your own kids as they're growing up. Um, you know, some things you think, I don't want to have this conversation now because I don't want to create in them an unconscious bias against white. Um, and to create that sort of a mentality. And yet I've got to prepare them for what they're going to encounter that, you know, as they do encounter, it's not going to destroy them. Mm. I mean, how do you handle these sorts of things? Well, I mean, it, it may be different for people growing up today. Um, not that much different, but for me in my day, you know, questions we were asking were, why are there no black people on the telly? I remember yeah, the yeah. first time I saw a black person on the telly or yep. a black football player, yep. we were jumping up and down, me and my brother's, <laughs> And calling everyone to the there's a yeah. black man on the telly. I know we laugh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so you know, when you're growing up in a society like, like that, um, you're going to have to have those conversations. Mum, yeah. why don't they like us? Yeah. Mum, why was I called nigger today? Yeah. Uh, Mum, why is my colour a problem? But you know, I come from a Jamaican family, and in the Jamaican culture with the Bob Marley and the positivity and all that kind of stuff, um, it had the opposite effect for me. It caused me to thrive more. It made me realize that I'm starting this race with a weight on my ankle. <laughs> um, mm. I'm gonna have to train harder. I'm gonna have to mm. run harder. I'm gonna mm. have to fight harder. Mm. So, you know, depending on the temperament of the child, you can swing either way. But the yeah. fact is, regardless of how you respond to it, the system is still the system. The system will only let you get as far ahead as yeah. it will let you get. Yeah. And yeah. luckily for me with work, I, I was worked in performance orientated yep. careers. So, you know, it was about your personal achievement and your commission and your income and stuff. Mm. So that shielded me to some extent. Yeah. Not everybody was that lucky. Yeah, and yeah. I still encountered lots of racism and racist uh, issues and uh, 
comments being made at me along the way, even today as a 50, yeah. late 50 year old man. Young man. Uh, you know, I live on a nice road. Um, yeah. I drive a decent car, live in a nice house. But you know, some of my neighbors don't speak to me. Um, what, because you're black? Well, I can't tell, I can't accuse them or tell them yeah, yeah. this is the reason why. Yeah. But when you're walking past people and you're meeting them every single morning, um, well, and, you, they see them every, and they completely blank you as though you're invisible. Yeah, yeah. They don't want to speak to you. Or when they do speak to you, yeah. there's, there's an issue. Yeah, they just uh, look through you. Yeah, until, until you start yeah. speaking and they hear your accent and they realise, oh, this guy seems normal. Uh, and then they start speaking to you and conversing with you. And it takes time. Yeah. But um, uh, a foreign family moved in with me, moved in not far from me the other day. I think they're from Ukraine or Russia. And I made a point of stopping them in the street and say, excuse me, are you the family that's yeah, yeah. moved opposite? Yeah, we are. And I said, hi, I just wanted to say hello. I didn't, you know, I'm Dennis, my wife's Lorna. Yeah, yeah. Didn't want to keep passing in the road. And they just beamed. beamed. And yeah. again, I think the same feeling they had as outsiders, not that many people had spoken to them. Yeah. But I just made the effort to make sure that it didn't, they didn't feel the way I felt yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the yeah. past. And that makes such a difference. And the church people. needs to be good at this. Absolutely. The church needs to be the best at this. Um, you know, I've said this a number of times during the week that, you know, and I want to be careful with this. I'm trying to be careful with everything I say today, but um, actually I'm not surprised at what's going on in the world because outside of Christ, all you've got is reaction. Mm. Outside of Christ, you've got no hope. Yeah. Outside of Christ, you don't have any answers. And, but in Christ... Obviously, there's God's love, there's God's grace, there's God's peace. However, whether you're inside Christ or outside Christ, we're all getting the same reactions right now. It's just how we're dealing with them. And I'm not going to criticize and point you know, the finger at people who are not Christians and say they shouldn't be doing that, because how else are they supposed to act? Because this is not a reaction to just what happened last Monday. No. And this is what I was going to sort of ask you about. Why do you think this has caused such a, an explosion? You know, I've heard people say, oh, you know, it's an American problem or it's... Da, da, da. And I'm going, no, this is an international issue right now. This is something where we've got to open our eyes and we've got to comment and we've got to speak up. I, I really feel like I've got to say something. Yeah. Why are we doing this today? If you think about it, um, it it's I think people cannot believe that today... It, 2020 yeah. that this sort of thing could happen yeah. that anyone could be killed on camera with passerbys people passing by yeah, yeah. begging pleading for the man's life and asking the police for his own life. he was pleading for his own life asking the police to check his pulse yeah. telling the police you're being abusive yeah. and the guy's sitting there smirking with his, his, his knee on the guy's throat um, and he's just completely indifferent completely indifferent and then other police officers standing by watching that and one actually protecting the officer, the offender, from the crowd as well. Mm. And then, you know, this happens and there's no action taken mm. yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, for so that stirs what? What is it stirring in, in I'm, you know, I'm going to ask, what does that stir in the black community? What does that stir? It stirs everything that has been... Um, ignored and and just coped with and overcome i mean i spoke to somebody you know this week and they said it stirred up all the memory of being spat on and called the n-word yeah you know even you using that word earlier I thought, oh yeah. you know it's just yeah. it's just horrible it's yeah. just absolutely horrible yeah and it and it just stirs all of that up again absolutely yeah it stirs all of that up again 
it, it, it reminds you of the fact that we are disempowered. It reminds you of the fact that we're in a system. I mean, yeah. what's happened there proves that this is a system that is alive and well mm. uh, and is hard to beat. Because for police officers to feel that they could actually do that yeah. and get yeah. away with it, yeah. um, and it's like, see, I can get away with this. And the system has proven that they can get yeah. away with it. It wasn't until the outcry and the uproar yeah. that we've actually seen some movement, but yeah. nowhere near enough. And I'm really, really glad, actually, that so many police law enforcement officers have spoken out and they've yeah. said, that is not us. Absolutely. That is not us. Absolutely. And I'm really pleased that that's caused that sort of a reaction because not all, you know, all police are bad and not all, all the whites are, are prejudiced Absolutely. and not all blacks are reactionary and da-da-da-da-da. Um, but everybody gets put into camps in times like this. Um, so what's the answer? What can we do? Wow. What can I do? What can you do as pastors? What can I do as a pastor of a black majority church? Yeah. What can, you know, you know, how can this be addressed? I'm really, really concerned that this is not just the thought of the month. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This is, oh, this is black action month now. Yeah. And, you know, let's have this on our minds. And yet I'm also very, very aware that we can't turn our churches into hypersensitive places where we're just aware, oh, I might offend somebody now. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but there has to be a place in that. And I'm learning, you know, there are things I've learned just over the last week that are, you know, I said something and I've said things, you know, all of my life, just because I'm 55 uh, nearly. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always been in our, you know, in the things we say. And, you know, somebody educated me on it this week and I did a little internet search and I learned about some of the background of a word that I'd, I'd use no problem. And now it's like, well, it's no big deal. I won't use the word. It's mm. no big deal. It really isn't. It's not me trying to prove something. If that can help, then that can help. But it can easily pendulum swing to a place where we're all, you know, I'm not PC, never have been. Um, I'm a bit of an anarchist on the inside, push some boundaries and the establishment and all this sort of stuff. But I'm very, very aware that we need to demonstrate as the church how we can live together, one people, under God. You know, we are the body of the Christ. He's the head, and you and I, and everybody else who names Jesus Christ as Lord, is the body, and the Bible's clear. It says anywhere where there's division. I mean, that's just demonic. It's, it's absolutely demonic. People wanting to divide the body over race, or divide the body over age, or divide the body over wealth, mm. or whatever. And all these things are divisive. Divide the body, whether you speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues. Divide the body if you believe in healing or don't believe in healing. I've got a very strong doctrine. I mean, I am as strong as I can be with my doctrine. But the Bible tells us that we start with the unity of the spirit and we come to the unity of the faith. It doesn't say anything about the unity of the doctrine. Mm. And it's absolutely, I believe, fundamentally to the body of Christ is that, you know, I, I've, I've always hated, well, that's the white church and that's the black church and whatever. We've got, you know, different groupings. You know, a whole heap of the division in the body of Christ, especially color, has been over doctrine. Yeah. Yeah, the black church has generally been, you know, the more um, the signs, the wonders, the health, the prosperity. And the white church has been more about the humility or the sovereignty of God and, and things like this. And of course, I'm saying things on huge, you know, blanket uh, statements. But we, we cannot be divided on these issues of race. 
We just cannot be. So how can we deal with this? What can I do? What can we do? We have to go back to the Bible. Um, obviously, there's, as we believe as Christians, there's one God. We're all children of God. We're all born, um, all created in, yeah. in his image. We're all born into one family. And the scripture is just full of it, you know. Um, We've we got to start with being honest about what's happening. We've got to be honest about our own experiences. We've got to listen to each other. There needs to be lots of dialogue, just like we're having here. And in this dialogue, we're going to get things wrong. There's things that I don't understand. I can't possibly represent the entire black community. You can't represent the entire white community. I'm not. There is no such thing as the average standard black man. That, you know, yeah. Everyone's an individual, and, and the same thing for white folks. But the Bible speaks in Proverbs. It speaks about you know, how we deal with injustice and how we deal with righteousness. In Micah 6, it tells us what does God require of his people? Justice, mercy, humility. Yeah. The parable of the Good Samaritan speaks about how we ought to treat our neighbours and that we have to understand that, that you know, people who are different from us, people who are opposite from us, people who have variance to us are our neighbours and how we ought to treat our neighbours. It's all over Exodus, Ecclesiastes. I've got scriptures written down here. You know, um, it's all over the Bible about you know, we, we've got to be honest about what's happened. There's no point in us just turning our, a blind eye to it. So we've got to start with honesty and humility. We've got to, we've got to listen to each other. Um, and it's and not understand. Just, and understand. Un understanding yeah. has got, that's to, got to be, be two way. very, it's got, very It's hard. got to be two way. But I think for the black community for so long, they have felt, we have felt that we're not being listened to. We're not being heard. The injustice continues, whether it's the Stephen Lawrence, whether it's the Windrush thing that we just recently seen with deportees and people being deported that shouldn't even be deported. Um, I think a lot of this stems from, you know, the failure to teach true history. The history that we learn in school is not complete history. It's one part of it, yeah. It's only one part of it. Um, and um, particularly in the United Kingdom, uh, and I think in the British Empire, there's so much missing from our history. Uh, where mainstream do not understand and do not recognize the role that the Caribbean played, for example, yep. the role that black people have played, the wealth that's been generated through, um, you know, Africans that have been enslaved, that have been moved from the continent of Africa to America or to, to the Caribbean. You know, there was a point in time where Jamaica was one of the wealthiest nations mm. on, the, on the planet. Mm. Why? Because of the sugar money, because of the wealth. A lot of people here don't understand that much of the wealth of Great Britain was built on the blood of slavery. And so, so I, I often say to people, I'm as entitled as anyone to be here because my ancestors helped pay for this, <laughs> you know? Um, apart from the fact that I'm, I'm, I was born here and my parents were born yeah. in, a, in, a, in the British Empire as British subjects. So we, we just gotta, we gotta give each other space. We gotta hear what one another has to say. And I, I, would, I would encourage, every church and every pastor, maybe to set up forums where we can start to have honest conversation without a desire for one to get, you know, to get one over the other. Mm -hmm. we, it's got to be, it's not them and us, it's got to be we. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not, me, you know, them and, them and, you know, them and us yeah. as, you know, black and white. It's yeah. got to be us together. Um, the kingdom of God's got to be multiracial. It's yeah. got to be multicultural, um, the, you know, in, yeah in the kingdom to come. Yeah. It's going to be all the nations together. So we, we've got to start now. Soon as possible, eh? Absolutely. Man alive. There's a, a great book um, that I flicked through. <laughs> that sounds terrible. That's the story of my life. Um, and it's called The Third Option. Yeah. And um, it's, again, I'm sure there's a whole load of books that are great but um, about this, but it's it comes from the um, uh, Joshua account where, um, 
Joshua encounters the angel of the Lord, a pre-incarnate Christ, um, perhaps, I think, I believe so. And, and he says, are you for us or are you for my enemies? Mm. And that's so often where we approach life from. It's us and them. Yeah. Just like you said, it's not us and them, but it's like, is it us or them? Are you for me or are you for them? And so often when there's pain and hurt, we want there to be justification um, and that's right, but it can sometimes turn into vengeance and vengeance is not right. Bible no. says, vengeance belongs to me, says God. Yeah. And that's not something for us to say, oh God, go kill them. God, yeah. you know, vengeance, vengeance. No, we just leave vengeance alone. It's not about revenge. Um, and you know, and there's Joshua saying, is it us or is it them? Are you for me or are you for my enemies? And this angel of the Lord just turns around. God just says, no, I've come in authority. You know, as, as the commander of the armies, I've come. Um, he doesn't even answer the question. He didn't say, I'm going to stand for you, or I'm going to stand <laughs> for you, and I'm going to justify your position because of your history, and I'm going to justify you because of this, that. You know, I've talked every day this week about we've all got these glasses on. We've all got filters on, and it's how we see life. And God is not going to justify our position. Yeah. He's not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a God of truth, and we align with his, you know, with his truth. And um, it, it's important, I think, that we get, you know, this whole thing of us and them just, just gone out of our language. And that it's, 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 it's all about him. It's all about us being transformed into the image of Christ. Yeah. It's not him trying to justify our position. Um, and, you know, that can only happen, I believe, as we understand, as we educate each other, as we get the glasses off, the filters off, how I see life. I need to see life how you see life. Mm. Um, now I won't experience what you experience. I can't because you're you. Um, you know, but I can try and see life like you see life. And you can try and see life like I see life. And I can, and I can hurt with your pain. And I can rejoice in your successes. Um, and that's clear, as you say, all through Scripture. Um, you know, I said earlier in the week, again on another, I've been posting every day pretty much about this uh, for half an hour in the mornings. And something I said early on, which has sort of caught on, it's, and I said something like, it was just off the cuff, something, you know, I said something that began as a mentality ended as a murder. And we've got to be dealing with the mentalities early on. We've got to be helping our kids, you know, to deal with the mentalities of, you know, division and of diversity and of discrimination. Um, and as we do that from a place that really doesn't create unconscious bias, mm. that then you know, we're all suspicious of each other and yeah. treading on eggshells everywhere. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think we could talk all day about this, and I've really loved this. Um, is there anything else that you just want to say yeah, well, as we sort of draw to a close? What, what I would say, I think there's great hope in the church. Brilliant. Um, I think the church is the right place for us to be having this discussion. It's the right place for us to start, to broker peace to demonstrate love, yep. tolerance, acceptance, well, more than tolerance, acceptance. Um, yeah, uh, tolerance is something where you sort of, I don't like you, but I'll put up with yeah, you. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I, I say that. something more than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we can start in the scripture, we can demonstrate it in the church, and we yeah. can model it, and uh, hopefully from out of the church, we can see something new flow yeah. into society, into community. Yeah. So I think the church is where it's got to start. And I think lots of, I know for a fact, lots of black Christians are looking to, lots of Christians full stop, are looking to the church and particularly to white evangelical Pentecostal uh, 
Anglican, whatever, uh, leaders, church leaders to stand up and actually say, do you know what, enough is enough, this is not right. You know, if you see your brother being bullied, yeah. the best thing you can do is to stand up for your brother and say, do you know what, this is my brother, I love yeah. him. I'm not going to tolerate you treating him like that. I'm not going to tolerate you bullying him like that. You know what? Your brother's looking for you to come to his aid. And I've heard so many people say, and it's so true. Right now, black folks have been speaking about this for so long. We're tired. We're exhausted. In, in many instances, we've just learned to live with it and just walk along with the limp. What we need now is for our white brothers and sisters to come alongside us and actually say enough is enough. And I'm so thrilled to see that that is what is happening. Yeah. When you look on yeah. social media now, you'll see recordings yeah. from, from people that you perhaps wouldn't have heard from before. But people actually saying, do you know what? I've seen this stuff, I've heard this stuff, I've wondered, but do you know what? This yeah. one just proves the point to me that this is injustice, this is bigotry this is yeah. racism at its worst and yeah. this system has to be broken down yeah and so many people not just black people but obviously people who also have been afflicted by poverty uh by lack of opportunity yeah. many white folks and many not black non-black folks have experienced that and that's why we can see on our on our tvs now whites hispanics blacks um, asians all standing arm in arm and saying yeah. enough is enough and yeah. they're all saying i can't breathe that has become yeah. You know, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's it's you know, it's an icon that yeah. I, I can't breathe. It's it's a way of expressing I've had enough. Yeah, this is killing me. Yeah. That's what they're saying, and I think um, for black folks, you know, we're, we're kind of um, we we may be leading the way with 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 saying enough is enough, mm -hmm. but we're certainly not the only ones. But right now, um, this this needs to be addressed. It needs to be dealt with, and the sooner we can get together talk about it, um, analyze what's happening, speak out against the injustice and do what we can to break it down, make sure that it's not prevalent in our churches. Yep. This is gonna create lots of challenges for churches yep. and it's gonna take time to get it right. I, I would appeal to everyone to be very patient, be very loving, yeah. be very hospitable to each other, love each other. You know, if we look at 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us there how we ought to love each other. Yep. And um, it, long suffering, <laughs> yep. patient, Keep no record of wrongs. You know, keep no record of wrongs. It's just everything All that there. stuff is very, very hard to do. And I know lots of black folks will be saying, we've been doing that for too long. We now yeah. need something else. Yeah. yeah, we have been doing it for too long, but perhaps now we can begin to see a change. That's certainly my hope and my prayer. Yeah. And that's why I want to thank you, Julian, for yeah. addressing this. Uh, I know you're very serious about dealing with it. And uh, I think that you are a role model in this case. Thank Should we pray? Yeah. Can I ask you to pray? Go for yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the chance to open this subject up and just to explore what it means uh, for us to be walking this road, this journey together. Lord, uh, there's so much pain uh, for so many experiencing what we've experienced uh, on our TV screens, in the news, in social media. But we pray right now, Lord, that you would, as Christians, give us the, uh, give us the lead. Um, show us through your word and through your spirit. Show us how we ought to respond to these challenges in these days. Yeah. And we pray, Father, for leaders up and down this country, both black and white, to stand up and yeah. be counted, to take the lead and to demonstrate what it means, Lord, to show yeah. compassion, yeah. what it means, Lord, to stand against injustice, what it means, Lord, to, to, to help those who are being oppressed, to help those who are disadvantaged, to help the poor and the weak and the vulnerable and those who have no voice. We pray, Lord, that the church, we know the church is the answer. We pray that, Lord, we will demonstrate the answer. Um, in all that we say and do. Thank you for Julian and for many other pastors up and down the country just like him and for all those who are speaking up and standing up and being a voice in this generation. We 
pray that you will continue to move and have your way in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Jesus name. Amen.